0: Welcome back to another Doctor Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB and Pistol. How are you mate?
1: Yeah, I'm doing pretty well JB. My team is flying at the moment. Uh did manage to cop the Norton 0 on field and still have Josh Kelly. It's the same story every single week. Uh, the guy has absolutely derailed my season but um, managed to score 2247. So could have been massive but um, into just outside the top 3k currently. Um, And Given the the horrible injuries um, I've had throughout the season so far, I'm pretty pleased with how all my trade-ins have been going because I reckon I've been pretty close to nailing all the trade-ins this season so far, JB.
0: Yeah, you've done incredibly well with your trade-ins and that's uh, one of your strengths obviously is trading and also one of your weaknesses unfortunately, (laughs) so fingers crossed that the injury bug stays away from you. Um, My rank is about 10 times yours, so I've obviously had a nightmare of a season thus far, between injuries and not taking Finlayson 60 over Norton this week uh, it's just been bad not bad decision it's been educated decision that has just gone badly and it's it's obviously got me into this position where I'm ranked very poorly but i've got a lot of trades my my core of my team is looking very good right now and i'm making a double upgrade this week hopefully getting Kelly back as well so I'm looking to come home very, very strong. So I'm not too concerned yet. I think I'll be able to sneak into the, the top echelon. I don't <laughs> want to put a number on it. I don't want to put a number on it, but I'm feeling all right about my season still, so it's not over. For those with a big detriment, it's not over. As long as you get those buy structures right and trading those, those premiums that you've got earmarked for the top uh, echelon of their position, then it's definitely not over. There's chase downs to be done. So we'll jump into the round by, uh, well, round by round, no we won't, we'll jump into the game by game recap and it started with Hawthorne versus Sydney and I mean what more can we say, James Sicily if you don't have him in, it doesn't really matter if he gets suspensions, he's going to be the one of the highest averaging defenders, uh, if not he'll challenge for the highest averaging defender for the season.
1: Yeah Echelon man, let me uh, just jump in a bit and tell you a quick funny story that might make you feel a little bit better. Okay. Um <laughs> I did happen to meet uh Survivor Season 2 player AK um last week and we are just chatting about Supercoach as you do and it turns out he listened to our podcast in the preseason. Um so I asked I asked him what he thought of the podcast and he said he really likes two people and could not stand the third. So obviously uh I gave him a heads up and said, just letting you know, I'm one of those people, so, you know, choose carefully, but he said, don't worry, I recognize your voice, I really can't stand pistol, so he got it completely wrong, and uh, we had a good laugh, and (laughs) it was pretty hilarious, but uh, yeah, just wanted to uh, give AK a little bit of a shout out and say, I'm pretty sure I saved your team this week, because you were going to get in Hurley, who's now injured, Um, and you're welcome that you now have
0: Toby McLean. Yeah, and it's good to know that I've got something in common with AK as well. (laughs)
1: That is true. And now I'll uh, answer your question about Sicily back into that Hawks game. And Sicily is just an absolute super coach gun. I mean, he kicks the ball so well under pressure. It is ridiculous. Like, I mean, that guy, he should just carry around a football in his hands, like wherever he goes, because as soon as he doesn't have a footy in his hand he makes stupid decisions and as soon as it's in his hand he's like the cool calm collected player so yeah in his everyday life he should just have a permanent footy um in his hand jb
0: that's a tattoo idea he should get on the palm of his hand a football tattooed on there so he just never makes bad decisions and he's always karma collected
1: I feel like getting a tattoo on the inside of your hand is a bad decision but I mean
0: (laughs) no no in this instance it's good most instances is bad this instance is very good
1: alright that's definitely a strange strange theory (laughs) JB but let's uh, talk about this other hawk because um, you're interested every single year you think he's going to be a top 8 forward and (laughs) that is Jack Gunston JB tell us what you like about him so much
0: I like that I don't have to talk about him often because he's not a very valid super coach selection. Oof. um no, Gunston's your boy. I think we've we've had this quarrel over the last couple of seasons where you enjoy talking about Gunston, I don't personally think he's a very good pick because of the the risk. I mean, he kicked 5 goals and just managed to turn up in a game that was very back and forth, uh, a big time shootout. So, personally, I don't have him as a potential top six to eight candidate for the forward line. But you obviously do, as you do every year. So, why don't you talk us through Gunston?
1: (laughs) It's just funny because we have the exact same conversation roughly at the same time of the year every single season. Because, Jack Gunston, he just always scores well. It doesn't really matter. He kicked five goals, as you said, and scored 102, which sounds bad. But he's also not kicked goals this year. In games and still, you know, scored in the 90s. He's got a very high floor, which is what makes him a decent pick. I mean, this year his lowest score is a 78, but most of his scores are peppering um, around the low 90s, and he has an average of for the season of um, 93.9. So he'll be right up there um, with the top forwards for this season. He's probably not being talked about at all. Um, I haven't heard his name mentioned as like that F6 because there's a lot of question marks over who the sixth best forward will be this year. He's in 2% of teams. He's got the very first buy, so um, you could downgrade or upgrade someone to him um, after he plays his first buy match as well. And it's just a unique option that always goes under the radar,
0: JB. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> but we will move on. Tom Mitchell scored the 72 after being tagged in this one. Only the 20 disposals, so he was clamped quite well. Uh, I don't think there's much to worry about. He... I mean, the tag is obviously back. That's that's very evident in what we've seen so far this year with Ben Jacobs being in all Australian form, some would argue, uh, as a tagger. But he might get tagged and he might then have other games where he's just going to score 120 plus. So I don't think there's a lot to worry about with Tom Mitchell. He'll just, you know, flutter back and forth between the two. On to Sydney's squad. And you talk about players that are just going to scrape into the, the top six to eight of their position, and Jake Lloyd had 130 super coach points this week, 36 disposals off that half-back line, even managed to kick it behind, so imagine if he had a goal that. What are your thoughts on Jake Lloyd as a potential option to close out our back line?
1: Look, I think Lloyd, I think we've said it before, he is also somebody that has a really high floor, which makes him a good pick, but he usually doesn't go bang. I think uh, 130 is probably at his ceiling and he will be as you said between that you know six to eight mark for defenders um, he's at a nice price as well at 466k I think I'm more interested in him because of his upcoming draw rather than what he's done throughout the, the rest of the season because he's just peppered the 90 mark but in his next four games JB he plays Fremantle in Sydney then he plays Brisbane Carlton in Sydney and then St Kilda so That's pretty amazing, JB. You couldn't get a kinder draw than that. And honestly, Swans—they're gonna—they're gonna gonna win more games. And I think a, a large amount of opportunities will come to Jake Lloyd. And he's probably going to average 95 maybe for the rest of the year. So I do think he's a very good pick and does provide a lot of value at 466k. And he's also someone that I think has disappointed a lot of people so far this year. So you might not be looking at him, but definitely with that upcoming draw, he's someone that you need to at least consider.
0: Yeah, and definitely my considerations, that's for sure. Now, a player that just played his third game and a lot of people wishes it was his first or second because he's had his first price rise, and that is Ben Ronk. So 120 Supercoach points. Everyone was talking about this man, this boy even, uh, with the 11 disposals, 10 tackles, 7 goals. Amazing stuff. I mean, there was a period where he spent 10 minutes on the bench, and I think he was still outscoring Hawthorne's whole squad. So it was just a stunning game from Ronk, and more moral of the story is he's going to make us a lot more money. <laughs>
1: Well, I've got a couple of questions uh, about this. Um, the first one, I know your opinion, but it'll be nice for you to share it. Do you think that a player that kicks seven goals and has 10 tackles, you think he, he may have been a little bit short-changed on scoring 120 Supercoach points, JB?
0: Yeah, I mean, traditionally, yes, because he had such a big influence on in the game. He kicked late goals when the game was in the balance. He kicked early goals when the game was in the balance. I think it was the mid section that really cost him he he obviously with the scaling he dropped a couple of points in there he wasn't going near the ball he did only have the 11 disposals so only four that weren't goals and those four weren't extra tidy themselves so um I'm not quite sure I, I mean I'm not an expert of the scoring system and there's a lot of things that they have in there that are negatives that we might not know about a lot of things that are positives that we might not know about and I mean, at the end of the day, I'm going to take the score as it is. But yeah, seven goals and 10 tackles already adds up to 110. So you'd think... No, sorry, that average is up to 100, exactly. You'd think, <laughs> sorry, with the um, with the the way the game was in the balance when he was kicking those goals, he would have scored a touch more. But yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. What are your thoughts? I know your thoughts, but talk us through them.
1: Well, look, I know at the beginning of the year, they did say that the scaling for goals um, has been toned down, uh, especially game-winning goals before you know, you could get... I think I remember Nick knack kicking a goal um, against North Melbourne after the siren, and I think he got like 48 points or something for kicking yeah. the goal. So I understand scaling that down. They scale it down now to about 10. I'm just wondering, though, when you kick a bag of seven, you obviously your impact on the game is outrageous. Hawthorne kicked 10 goals. Ronk kicked seven goals of the Swans' 12. He was good for the entire match. It just... I think they capped him a little. It's a bit too tight. Obviously, he didn't do much else. But would you really rather give 130 points to someone with 36 possessions, or like 120 to someone with 10 tackles and seven goals and wins you the game? Um, I reckon he could have been a bit stiff. I think maybe they need to tweak the scoring system. um, Give goals maybe two more points uh, per goal. I think if he scored 135. Um, no one would really be questioning it and and that's that's probably fair but my second question JB is Ronk is projected well he's only projected to go up about I say only um, you know between 60 and 90k depending on how he scores um, in the next two weeks do you think that it is worth trading him in now if you've missed him and try and gain um, extra cash until you have to trade him out at the buy? Or have you just missed the boat if you don't have him?
0: Yeah, I think you've missed the boat, personally. He's not going to... I mean, I say he's not going to. I, I can't predict the future. But seven-goal performance, 10 tackles is... Uh, I mean, I think his career-high in any level um, above the age of 18 was three goals in a game.
1: Yes, no, that definitely sounds correct. Um, he, he wasn't like a known notorious goal kicker he just was someone who kicked a goal two goals a game Um, but yeah I think I also read three goals was his uh, maximum before this
0: yeah so based on that you'd expect him to I mean you'd expect his ceiling to be around the 70 or 80 mark not the the big 120 that he put out this week so I think you've missed the boat the big score is gone I know he's going to make money on that for a couple of weeks but it's likely that he gets capped out in three or four weeks when he starts having to live up to the the big average that he's put ahead of himself. So personally, I don't think it's worth the trade. I would value a trade at around 100K. So if he makes, I mean, in excess of that, then obviously it's a win, but I can't guarantee that. I'm not sure about you, Pistol.
1: Yeah, I like to get around 130 to 150K per trade, Um and usually I don't get that anyway, so I'm shortchanging myself usually. But in this case, I think you've just missed it. And there are quite a decent amount of good rookies, um, well, seemingly good rookies, one game sample size, but also others coming through um, in the, the other leagues um, and we will probably get the debut soon. So I think it's probably worthwhile holding out and not trading him in if you missed him. Um, but if you did get him, then obviously well done and just just ride it out.
0: Yeah, for sure. Very lucky for those who traded him in. Now, the last two Swans that we'll talk about were a little bit down. So Isaac Heaney, firstly, 78 points. Someone that you'll be able to jump on in a few weeks, which is great for those who don't have him. He wasn't that bad. He had 28 disposals, 7 tackles. So, a game that is like Isaac Heaney, but 67% disposal efficiency let him down a bit there. And then there was Josh Kennedy with the 19 disposals, 73 supercoach, for those that traded him in um, last week would be very disappointed. He's probably going to stay similar to the price that he's at now for at least another week. What are your thoughts on those two, Pistol?
1: I mean, Heaney had eight clangers, which isn't numbers that Heaney usually had. I think he directly um, turned over or in, indirectly and then oh, still directly, actually. Uh, it led to Bruce kicking two goals late in the game. So he was heavily scaled down um, for some of those clangers as well. And... You wouldn't think it'd happen again with the easy draw up ahead. I'm pretty confident in Heaney um, churning out some nice scores um, in the coming weeks. JPK, he got tagged. I don't think it's a situation where he's completely past it. I still think he'll have big games um, in this home stretch um, as he has done historically. I just don't think it's going to go home from here and average 110. I think maybe lower hundreds is realistically what you're looking at. And I think it's better off Saving up for a premium player that is going to be, you know, a top ten um, midfielder, and and just use them uh, like you know the Clayton Olivers and Cripps and all those players. I'd rather get them than the JPK from here on out, JB.
0: Yeah, and I tend to agree with that as well. You really got to earmark those top six and and hunt for them. That's for sure. So we'll move on to the West, uh, Grand Western Sydney versus West Coast Eagle game. It was West Coast taking this one by 25 points. And it's interesting to see Caniglio had a bit of a tail of two uh, halves this game. So he had a, a really good third quarter, um, not so good in the second, decent in the first, and then average again in the last quarter to capital off. So just the 100 from him. Is this what we should expect whilst GWS take a couple of these losses? They do have a difficult run coming up.
1: I think it's, it's tough to judge because obviously, as we expected, he started incredibly strongly when the draw was easy. And GWS seem like flat-track um, bullies at the moment. And I really don't think that he is that 115 average midfielder that other people suggested he could be. I still think he's going to average from here on out, JB, 105 um this is what I said in the preseason, unfortunately for some people. Sorry, AK didn't start with him because I said that. Um, but I did say he'd start well because of the first six weeks, and this is a drop-off that I'm kind of expecting. If you don't have him, I don't think I'd be bringing him in. But I think the one, the people that do have him, you're not going to trade him out either. Like He's good enough for your M8. You just got to hold him and hope that he can just sneak on out from here with 105 average, Jb.
0: Yeah, and could be one of those luxury trades later on in the season for those who are banking them a little bit. So it was the debut of Isaac Cumming, who put up 64. We've had a few messages, considering the lack of uh, bubble boys this week as to whether they should jump on Cumming. And I think you and I both agree that there are definitely better uh, players who have played their debut games this week uh, to be selected. So we'll talk about them later on. Finlayson, only the 61. So he was playing his defensive role Sixty-one super coach is he someone that we should be getting out this week or even last week for those that held?
1: Well, if you have Norton and you have Finlayson, I mean Norton's not going to lose you any cash, but I think a lot of people are desperate for actual playing defenders this week. So, um, if you have two of them, you're probably going to end up trading Norton just because you need the numbers. But yeah, if I had to choose between him and Duda, I'd be getting rid of Finlayson. But uh, yeah, GWS is just struggling, and he's. He scored well when they were doing well, but yeah, it's they're falling on tough times. And um, I like that you mentioned Isaac coming because he could solve a lot of people's defensive problems, but at the same time, it's so risky going on somebody who's not on the bubble yet, um, especially when, as you said, there are other options. But we should say that Lockie Keefe is on the bubble this week. Um, he scored a 57. However... It's a bit worrying about his job security because he played forward even though he has um, this DPP forward defender uh, in super Coach, and Patton wasn't great in the NEFL JB and I don't think he'll get a call up but at the same time I feel like Patton is bound to come back into the GWS side before their buy and then Keith is probably going to end up being dropped during that buy round area and you'll just have to cop it then, which is the worst time to have an unexpected donut JB. So for me, um, I think I would be staying away from Keefe unless for some reason you're absolutely desperate, but I'd be making a trade and and grabbing um, somebody who we'll talk about later like an Ed Phillips if I had to go early on someone this week rather than um, getting a Keith or even getting coming early.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with, yeah, pretty much everything you just said there. I think you nailed it really well. We'll move on to the West Coast side and Elliot a 113 super coach, 28 disposals, 8 tackles. You did mention him earlier, um, just someone that is extremely safe to have in our defense and he's not exactly down on price but he's also not really going to drop from where he is. So is he someone that we just bite the bullet with and grab him at a, at a reasonably decent price or do we wait out until he has one of those poor scores that we know he can produce
1: i mean the problem with uh the yo-yo is he's been really consistent this year jb his his price hasn't fluctuated that much except when he got that 27 but then he got that 150 straight away so kind of balanced out and his price hasn't really fluctuated as much as you'd expect i don't know if he's going to get a really poor score in the next coming weeks or if he's going to go 150 i'm going to get priced out so you kind of just take him when you can afford him Um, personally I'm going to grab him after the buy and just hope he sits at this 530k mark but definitely I'll I'll put my hands up and say I did not expect Elio to be this good this season and he has just been completely consistent which is definitely definitely not what we had expected from the yo-yo and yeah he's just going to keep pumping out those 110 scores and I'd be suggesting to get him in ASAP JB.
0: Yeah, definitely get him in ASAP is the advice that we go with there. Uh, Someone that is obviously going to be within the top six defenders, so you you just need to lock him in. I think he's had two sub-tons and one was a a 90-plus, so um, just a great season from Yo so far. Now, we'll move to Braden Ainsworth, who had his debut as well. 66, looked very composed for a young lad, got the eight tackles. So you'd expect to get the call-up again next week. So very good for those who are looking for a bubble boy uh, in the coming weeks. And that pretty much sums up that game. So we'll move on to Carlton versus Essendon. And this game was a sight for sore eyes pistol. It was honestly, watching it from the couch, I was getting pretty sad just just looking at the the quality of football. So um, Matthew Cruiser, the main standout in this one, 127 Supercoach. For those who held is excellent news. And talk to me about Dale Thomas Pistol. 116, a new role. He's got a few tons in a row now. Is he a viable option or am I crazy? I
1: think you desperately want me to talk about Dale Thomas because you picked him up uh in our know, keeper league and you just want me to say how genius recall. how genius you are. He's got a five round average of 101. Um, look, it's it's hard to it's hard to really say that The role he's got is going to be the one that he has for the rest of the year, which is why I wouldn't really suggest hopping on. I mean, obviously he could hold it and then he could average 100 for the rest of the year, but it's a bit too early um, for me to be able to suggest 100% jumping on him. But he's looking great. He's scoring well. Um, He's 460K and at this rate, he's only going to get more expensive. But I think I'd stay away just purely because if he's going to keep... Who knows? Like they could throw him anywhere. Um, he can play forward. He can play back. And yeah, it's just too much risk for me for this one, JB.
0: Yeah, and when Marchbank comes back to form and Wiedering comes back into the side, I think he'll be the one to to suffer a bit on the super end of things. So Patrick Cripps 111, uh, just doing Patrick Cripps things. Uh, amazing amount of contested possessions again compared to uncontested. Cade Simpson, a hundred and three super coach, so exactly what we expect from him in our defense. Nothing too crazy to report there. And then we'll go over to the Essendon side and it's mayhem. We'll start off with Devin Smith, who who actually had a very, very good game, except for a fifty meter penalty that he gave up very late in the game that lost him I think he went from a hundred and two down to ninety four. So he lost the eight points there and gave away the three before that. So I think he went all the way down to ninety one. So a big, big, big turnaround that could have gone the other way if he hadn't have been at all. But 15 tackles, 21 disposals, just a great game by uh, Devon.
1: He's pretty much the only bomber that... Oh, I guess Sakurakis has actually been very good this year. There's not many that can hold their head high, but Dev Smith has been outstanding, and he's really looking like he's going to be a top forward option for us this year. So, um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people started him, and, and that seems to be a wise move. And <laughs> I'm more worried about the other Essen Primus. Let's let's just go through them quickly. JB Zach Merritt, is it time to ditch or do you think he can turn around this season?
0: No, I think we ditch. He he gets tagged so easily out of games and we know how much that can affect a player. We saw Zorkai at the beginning of the season even though he he seems to be getting into a bit of a hot patch now. And we've seen players in the past um try to think of one, a good one that gets tagged really easily. <laughs> off the top of my head i can't think of one okay i can't think of one. I swear there was a really good player last year that everyone was considering but he got tagged really easily so i said not to get in Oh well, there are players that get tagged really easily all the time and I tend to stay away from them. Jack Merritt <laughs> put out seventy nine after putting out, I think, one ton a couple of weeks ago. Essendon looked bad, he looks bad, and Michael Hurley was the other one you were gonna bring up, you still he was, but
1: also I just kinda of want to jump in and say I knew you were talking about Sloan that whole time, but it was really fun watching you score. Ah, so damn. I'll just uh, <laughs> I just enjoyed myself with that one. But thanks, yes, thanks for that, let's let, Let's talk about Michael Hurley. Sixty six points, an injury He's likely to miss... Is it confirmed his one to two weeks? I think we just started the podcast when the news came out, so... Yeah, um, confirmed. There we go. So he's out for one to two weeks, which is not what you want to hear. I think, really, he still got a decent amount of possessions, but the weather didn't quite suit his you know, high marking, the amount of marks he gets per game. He only had three, uh, which is well below his average this year, so his scores were a bit lower. But you've just got to worry about Essendon because they've got to try something, and who knows what that'd be. We, we did mention last week, we were worried that he'd have to be more accountable and maybe they'd stop, you know, chipping it around the back line and him getting all these possessions, but it's kind of up in the air because we don't really know what's going to happen with this Essendon side. They're going to try all sorts of things and too hard to say, at least for this one to two week period where no one will be bringing him in, um, we'll kind of be able to see what changes in structure Essendon make and maybe can... Um, extrapolate that and see how Michael Hurley would fit into that system so I think we get more data and we'll be able to talk about um, Michael Hurley as an option or not as an option in the coming weeks
0: JB. Yeah and extrapolate is a very good word so kudos for that. (laughs) Thank you. Move on to the next game being Gold Coast versus Melbourne Demons and on Gold Coast side of things there is nobody. On Melbourne side of things, Max gone a hundred and forty eight supercoach points. Why are we not auto captaining this man every single week? What is going on?
1: It's pretty funny you say that because I think I'm not sure I've captained him once this year, JB. It's kind of like um, I don't know for, for people that played fantasy Premier League, for the first like fifteen weeks no one was really uh captaining Mo Salah, even though he was just banging in the goals just because we were like it's going to stop soon. Like you can't keep doing this. And I feel like it's the same with gone. Uh, maybe there's a lesson to learn and we'll just need to actually captain the block Now he's gone so well. I said gone so well um, in the last couple of weeks. We, as you said, just he's the new Dangerfield auto captain from 2017,
0: JB. I feel like it's the opposite to a theme park where there's a, a minimum height that you need to be. In Supercoach, in terms of captaining, there's a maximum height that you can pee to be considered a very good captain option, so we don't captain key forwards when they're like when they could have a massive game in goals. We don't captain Ruckman because they're somewhat unreliable. With quotation marks, we should be captaining Max Gorn like he's a midfielder because he he gets 18 disposals like he did this game. He kicks goals. He gets he got 10 contested disposals, and then he gets 41 hitouts as well. So he's obviously a very good option. As is his teammate Clayton Oliver. So 29 disposals, 11 tackles doing what he does best with the contested possessions and clearances. A man that is actually a little bit undervalued at the moment and we should all be considering in our top eight midfield.
1: Yeah, he's someone that is still um, good price. He's only at the 570k mark. You can definitely still grab him before he rockets up. Uh, There's a couple more players that I just want to pick your brain with JB. Jesse Hogan. Now, he scored 91, which... Doesn't seem amazing, but he he was doing incredibly poorly until the last quarter, and he kind of just junk times multiple goals. He's sitting at 440K, but he's averaging 97 for the year. Is he someone that you think that he just provides immense value and we should grab, or is it somebody that you're just going to pass on and and wait for someone like Walters in a couple weeks?
0: Yeah, no, I don't mind Hogan. I think he's a very good point of difference selection if you want to take the punt. I don't really have any issues with it, obviously, aside from the fact that he hasn't had a premium season, but he's still very young. Um, We all have a no key position player type rule, but he's not really a key position player because he moves around the ground like a midfielder, accumulates possessions like a midfielder. He had 22 in this match alone, and is someone that can score really high if Melbourne win, and they've been doing that in the last few weeks, so maybe his scores are a little uh, weighted towards that, but... If Melbourne get this their act together and start winning close games against good teams, then he'll be up that top end of the scoring system most weeks. So I don't dislike the Jesse Hogan pick. My only concern is pretty much the opposite of what I just said. So if they're not doing well, I'm not sure he can really keep up the high scoring and he will sort of go back down to that those eighties and seventies, which can obviously really quickly bring it bring you down from a premium top 6 option to a top 10 option so I don't mind the pick as a point of difference selection I don't mind it
1: yeah I think most people are upgrading or downgrading the backline at the moment so he might go under the radar as well but you're right he he does provide great value and could um, be a top pick uh, by the end of the year so certainly worth consideration for your your F6 spot JB Bailey Fritch has had a I'd say a minor role change Um, he is actually starting at the half forward flank and rather than always running forward and uh, being a threat around the goals he's actually running backwards and providing relief um, down the wing and and you know the kick out of defense as well so he's playing all the way I guess as a winger you'd say from the half forward flank all the way down to like the back pocket almost and this has been perfect for super coach because he's had 26 touches hasn't needed to kick a goal but still managed to nearly turn up and score 98 I feel like Rich now is somebody that we can't get rid of this week he's scoring too well and he's somebody that is perfect to trade out at his buy because he's just going to provide that scoring relief in the first round of the buys and who knows where how he's going to score in the next couple weeks but it's very exciting times for owners
0: yeah and you almost said it all there uh coaching by goodwin um can has to be applauded in this instance 26 disposals, used it at 84%, 13 kicks, 13 handballs, so obviously has a good leg on him. And what a perfect role it is for Fritch. When you watch him play, he just looks so well-suited to that floating and and just delivering role, and he he hits people laced out, and I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I just, I can't really fault him. He, He just looks like a great rookie option. He's playing a very different role to what he was in the first few weeks when he was scoring those 60s. And I haven't even considered trading him out, and he's going to make a lot more money, I think.
1: And now, on the other hand, Michael Hibbard and Petrarca. I mean, we said last week, uh, Chizo was definitely banging on about having to trade Petrarca out, um, and that looks wise because I don't even know if this guy's going to turn it around and become anywhere near a primo this year. Hibbard, was he fulls gold? He Back-to-back 90 scores, would you say he's back? Another 78 this week, or is he done as well for the year?
0: Back-to-back 90 scores and then scored almost 50% of his uh, total score for the game in the first quarter. So I was a little concerned. I did trade him out, obviously, right before that first 90 score. So thanks for scaring me, Hibbert. But back to the 78 and no, I mean, his his role in the first quarter looked great. He was the one rebounding, but then it changed from quarter time through the rest of the game. And I'm not sure how that happens when you're beating a team so well. But yeah, no, I, I don't trust Hibbert as far as I could throw him. I feel like his role is as... Um, as up in the air as Heath Shores is from game to game or even quarter to quarter, as we saw this week. And I don't think he's someone that I'd be downgrading to, upgrading to, or, or even considering in my plans for the rest of the season in Classic, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, great summary, JB. And just quickly, let's touch on the uh, Bubble Boys for the Gold Coast Suns. We've got um, Brad Shear scoring 61. You know, he's going he's just going to keep scoring 60 every week. His price at 160K for... Um, it's it's a bit tough at that inflated price if if i could say is worthwhile or not i think he probably keeps getting games for gold coast but it's right before this buy as well it's just kind of awkward timing because you're going to get them in and then they've got the buy the next week jb so yeah it's it's really awkward and charlie Ballard as well the midfielder only scored 42 i'm not really sure his scoring potential is there to make you enough money jb you got any extra additional information on these youngsters
0: no, and I haven't considered either of them either. I think they're, they've are they got to be good players as they grow, but not really in our Supercoach considerations. And that takes us to the game of the round, Pistol. Port Adelaide <laughs> versus Adelaide. And if you, look, from a completely non-neutral point of view, this had to have been game of the round. This had everything. So Crows were killing us. Port came back. Port were killing Crows. Crows came back. Crosby's got ahead with forty seconds left, and it was game over. And then Motlop did something special, but all of that overshadowed by the man that, if he walked into a room with you and me pissed so I don't think he'd make it out, and he definitely wouldn't make it out with clothes on. And that's <laughs> Robbie Gray. Talk us through it. Talk us through it.
1: Robbie Gray was. Abso- I was yelling at my TV. The the emotion of some watching your player kick five goals in a quarter. I mean. <laughs> i first got to feel feel that with um, Ronk on um friday night and then gray i mean what a what a round it's absolutely insane how good robbie gray is he is right up in the elite elite footballers and this game i mean you weren't being biased this was easily this was to me probably game of the season but probably the most exciting news of this entire game for me j v was tom rockliffe tom rockliffe's back j b do you think he um he's 373k? He's got a break even of ninety-eight. He had thirty-one possessions, nine tackles. I mean, surely he's back, JV. Are we going to be jumping on Rockliffe at like 370k after his buy? Is this not the best value player in the entire game, or is he Fool's Gold?
0: Um the jury's still out. it's it's one game, he's played well. Uh, the game definitely suited him, it was highly contested, there was a good 10 minute period where a goal wasn't kicked, so it was just back and forth, back and forth, stoppage after stoppage, it was obviously his type of game. The only thing that has me convinced that he may actually be back is his form in the Sandful before he came back, it was very good as well, he was getting the, the higher possession numbers, and then when he came back he just looked like the contested beast that we thought we were getting. Um, wasn't forward anywhere near as much as he was at the beginning of the season, so that's a big tick. Um, 98 Supercoach from 31 disposals, nine tackles could have been higher, but he had the 61% uh, disposal efficiency. So if I see him do the same against the Gold Coast this week, I will be mightily tempted and also mightily scared. (laughs) What about Westhoff, Pistol? What do you think of Westhoff? Had the 26 disposals, now his rider back was our... Uh, were one of the concerns, considering he was scoring so well without him, didn't need a goal to pad his stats, still the 116 supercoach, and is just one of those players that is pretty much everywhere at all times. It's like we've got four of him on the field at once.
1: I mean, yeah, there's so many port players to talk about, so um, this segment might drag on a little bit, but um, just quickly, Tom Rockliffe, I traded him in and out of my side three times uh, two years ago, and... I mean, I don't know why I keep punishing myself. This is obviously not going to be a great decision. It's going to work out terribly for me, JB. But really, if I can pick him up and have him as M9 for the rest of the season, um, maybe even rotating with Dusty at this stage because Dusty is just scoring horribly, um, (laughs) then that's something that I might be interested in doing. Back to your question, though. The Hoff is looking like he's going to be a top six forward. I don't think that's a big call. He's averaging over 100 and the problem is he's actually quite expensive at 540 K and he's probably going to end up around that after his buy as well. So it's a little bit troubling, um, trying to raise the capital for, for West off as well. It's hard to feel like you're not paying overs, but at the same time, someone that doesn't have their buy and is also being a top six forward. Um, you've just got to look at, um, after his buy, you've strongly got to consider him. I think I'll work out a way that I can get him into my side and, on top of that, you've got Robbie Gray, who a lot of people are also waiting to get after the buy. So people are going to be looking at getting Gray and people are going to be looking at getting Westhoff in. But why not Boak JB? <laughs> why not? This time I'm saying Boak and not both, I swear. Um, Travis Boak, only an 85, but he also looks capable of averaging 90 plus this year. He is at a kind of price at 470K. I think after their buy this week, you could ask a question which one is the best to get? Which one to get first? I mean, plenty of different answers. All three, I guess, is also an option if you want to go a bit risky. But yeah, they're all doing so well. And JB, I've, I'm going to throw back a completely random question that you you definitely won't be expecting this. Um, so don't freak out. But Tom Jonas. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's you. You really ruined that for me. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you about Tom Jonas. He's averaging ninety five. A five-round average of 101. Is this real life, JB? Is this Tom Jonas? What is going on here?
0: I don't know. I don't think it's real life. And I don't know what's going on. But he... It's like he switched something in his mind that was telling him to spoil and then run away from the ball. And he's now thinking either mark or run towards the ball. (laughs) Like he, he switched the Hurley switch in his head. He was doing the, uh, who's a spoiler? He was doing the Mitch Robert, not Mitch Robinson, Dan Robinson, Dan Robinson. I
1: don't know who you're saying. Sauce,
0: Sauce, Sauce from Brisbane back in the day, Sauce Merritt. <laughs> okay,
1: Sauce Merritt. That Mitch guy. Robinson, that is that. that yeah, tape. well they're
0: all rangers, they all play for Brisbane. Okay, okay? they're all family. Yep. Anyway, Sauce Sauce was was the type of player that would punch and sprint away and didn't actually want a possession of the football, so that was what Jonas was doing. Now, with 21 disposals, 10 marks, 3 tackles, he's very, very efficient when he has it, and he's very good at making a decision as to whether he should spoil or mark. I don't know. He actually looks very good. I I don't think I should, considering in my defense, but I don't know why I shouldn't be. It, I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> it's difficult to even know what's going on here. It's so confusing because he actually has a
1: season low of 84. Yes, that's correct. We're still talking about Tom Jonas, everybody. Um, He's got the season low of 84. um, And he just peppers around the ton every week. He's got an average of 95. He's in JB less than 1% of teams. He's in less than 1,000 teams. So...
0: I would have mocked those less than 1,000 people as well at the start of the season. But he's... I don't know why or how, but he actually has looked very good.
1: It's just... Completely baffling. I don't know if we can suggest him, but at the same time, I don't have an argument against why, except that because it's Tom Jonas, which isn't a great argument when the stats are backing up that you should be getting him because it is Tom Jonas, but maybe wait and see how he goes after the buy a little bit. Maybe as your your D6, but it's just... It's Tom Jonas, JB.
0: I'll say conservatively, maybe do not... Maybe do get (laughs) him. At some point, maybe... In the future,
1: well, let's let's uh, you said maybe do, maybe don't get him, so let's talk about the the guy with the do's and the don'ts, and that's uh, Tom Duday. And scoring, oh, wow. oh yeah, I know, I was pretty pleased with that one. That's um, impressive. 56 super coach points for Tom Duday. Is his time up in our sides, or is he worthwhile holding to the bye? JB,
0: no, nah, he's, he's probably worthwhile holding to the bye. I don't have any quarrels with holding him, he'll. He'll score 50 and then he'll score 70 and 80 and he'll sort of just hover around this price range for, well, until he's by, and he's scoring well enough on our fields. If you want to cash him in, there's absolutely no issue with that at all. I don't think because he's not going to make you an extra 50k from this point, but he's also not going to lose you much money and there's absolutely no harm having him on your field as a, an option that's better than, for example, what Spargo was on the week on or Holman has been lately. So. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, it's hard to choose whether you prioritise over cashing in or taking the better scores at the time, but is sort of in the middle of that, and I don't think there's a wrong answer, to be honest. So would you trade him last
1: out of Norton, Finlayson, and Dude?
0: I mean, I'm probably trading him this week, so no.
1: So you, you would trade Dude ahead of Finlayson and Norton?
0: If it meant getting a premium defender that I needed... And, or not getting that premium defender, which the 10K is the difference, then I'll have no issue trading Duda first.
1: Okay, no, that's that's fair. I think it's very team-specific on which uh defender to trade out first, but um, I don't think it's a problem if you do want to hold Duda um, a little bit longer, but again, if you're trying to jump on someone like Elliot Yo or something and you can't do that with Finlayson, then it just might be time to, to go.
0: Yes, yes, Duda do, do will go.
1: I I think you were trying to ride go with Yo, but yeah, go to Yo. But anyway, let's move on to the next game, JB.
0: Oh, next game. So Matt Crouch, 92, and Roy Ladd, 89. Anything of a worry?
1: No, I think it's just, uh, you know, they lost. It was a tight game, but he didn't really stand up uh, at the very end and gave away four frees, so he's... uh, And what do Sam
0: Jacob owners do?
1: That is a good question. I massively regret trying to switch to the next game so thank you for holding me back on that one um <laughs> Sam Jacobs is very interesting because not only did he score poorly he hasn't quite made it to Patty Ryder's buy and Patty Ryder obviously scored 108 and looked awesome but apparently Sam Jacobs is on I guess birth watch I don't know what the correct terminology is but his. Wife is pregnant and due to have a baby at some stage this week. And he's already said that if she goes into labor on game day, then he's not rocking up to the game. So owners potentially are going to end up with a Sam Jacobs donut and they can't trade him to somebody like Paddy Ryder because he's obviously got his buy next week. Um, Maybe they have to just go early on someone like Nick Nat or obviously Grundy if you can afford. But what do you think the correct call there is, JB.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, well, the correct call is Sam Jacobs' owners should be very upset. Um, but, the yeah, I, I can't I can't actually say it. If you've got the war chest there, then going to Grundy is, to me, a bit of a no-brainer. I think Grundy will still outscore Ryder from here until the end of the season. But it's, it's such a bad time for, I mean, uh, we should all blame Sam Jacobs' uh, girlfriend should we not I mean who has a baby at this very time right before riders by as he's just scored a 50 and has lost money and may not play this week it's just it's unfortunate to planned at
1: JB this is <clears throat> this was an elaborate plan to
0: we should trade her out if anything that's
1: <laughs> you heard it here first trade out Sam Jacob's wife from your sides there we go yes. Right. Definitely lock that in. Now let's move but on to yeah. the uh, the Bulldogs <laughs> versus Brisbane Lions game, JB. Now I've got a big question. I've got a couple of big questions, but the first yes. one I'm going to ask is, is Dane Zorko back and is Dane Zorko the real deal? And should we be jumping on Dane Zorko?
0: No. Oh, that's surprising. I think, wait, yeah. There's no, I think no answers all of those.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, he wasn't tagged again for the uh, second week in a row. Brisbane were competitive for the second week in a row. People will click that tagging Zorko equals slightly less competitive Brisbane, and they'll do it again and again and again and again, and and he'll go back to his bad scores because he can't deal with a tag.
1: Well, next week, unless they play Langford on him, or Howe, sorry, he's probably going to cop a Howe tag from um, Hawthorne. He's also got Sydney, which is the Hewitt tag, and then North Melbourne, he's got the Ben Jacobs tag. So he's arguably got the three hardest tags in a row with Hawthorne, Swans, and North Melbourne. So if he manages to get through that and score as well, well, then we could say he's he's back. But really, I don't think you can grab him when it's going to go through a Howe tag, a Hewitt tag, and a Jacobs tag. It's completely ridiculous, JB.
0: It is, and I don't really consider him as an option, but if you're in dire straits and you want to throw a bit of money at someone, then he's not that expensive. So, I mean, I guess if you've got some trades in your pocket, then he's worth a punt, but i personally wouldn't wouldn't advise doing it now i 've got a question for you, pistol Stefan Martin scoring one hundred and twelve whilst sharing the ruck with Oscar McInerney, who also scored eighty one is this the dream scenario for steph martin owners
1: well you 've got to consider as well that those were the only two ruckmen on the ground because West Coast well not, i mean West Coast didn 't have a ruckman, but nor did Western Bulldogs. Sorry. Um, They did not have a ruck this week with Tom Boyd being the sole ruck and is not quite there as a ruckman. So I don't know if I'd say it's a dream scenario, but at least Steph Martin's still averaging 105 this year whilst playing with other tools on the side. I think he just gets so much of the ball, another 20 touches that not too concerned and and pretty happy um, being a Steph Martin owner, JB. But let me ask you another question because we're just going backwards and forwards on these questions. Um, Jack McRae... What do you do if you don't have him because he's just getting completely expensive and when's the best time to make the move?
0: Um, Eight weeks ago (laughs) was probably the best time to make the move. Well, at this point, if you don't have him, the best thing to do is cry. And if you do have him, the best thing to do is celebrate, but he's just incredible. I can't believe how good he actually is this season and... 156 this week after 189 last week, sensational, I wouldn't get him now because um, he's got some tags hopefully to come his way in the the coming weeks, so those who don't have him have that to look forward to, but again, he's just scoring incredibly, and I'm honestly not sure if they tag him or Bontempele, and if it's Bontempele, then is in the perfect storm of a Supercoach elite right now, and we've all... All of us that don't have him or didn't start him have missed a lot of points.
1: Well, I think we should mention that when you're saying uh, the tag's coming, probably you're talking about directly in, in round 14 and round 21, they play North Melbourne. So he's got double Ben Jacobs tag to go, which is far from ideal. But until that point, he's probably going to score well. Um, it's, it's just hard to say because he's at 670k and he's going to go, probably you'd say he's going to, definitely um, eclipsed the 700k mark and it sounds like it's just too late JB because you're hardly going to be forking out 670k for a player you're just going to have to cop it and wait and hope he doesn't have he he had a 97 point first half this week you just need to hope that for some reason he has a stinker and you can jump on later but uh, I think the Jack McRae ship has sadly sailed
0: yep and I think you're spot on we have to hope that he has a stinker and until then, I mean, he didn't even kick any goals this week, and he's been doing that. He's, I think he's kicking at least one, one and a half per game this season. And he's still scored 156, which is just incredible. He's in the rarest of forms. And he's almost as good as his teammate, Toby McLean, 115 supercoach, 26 disposals, five tackles, two goals. I could talk about this man all day, Pistol. Toby McLean... Locking lock in our forward lines. If you don't have him already, he's getting scarily expensive for a forward as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it for weeks, just just get Toby McLean in. And uh, let's just move on, really, because it's a complete waste of time talking about him now because everyone should Aww. be getting Toby McLean in ASAP. He's absolutely wonderful for a forward and super coach. Aaron Norton, JB, he managed to hurt his ankle uh, relatively severely, it looks like. I think he might be missing more than just one week at this stage, but um, we'll wait for confirmation on that. Ended up with a big zero on our fields. Obviously, he lost some money, which was disappointing given his break-even was only 28, but now he can't lose any more money because he's not playing JB. So are you someone that thinks, well, he's not playing so probably should trade him out sooner rather than later or are you happy to just pop him on your bench and wait until the right defender rookie comes? And if not, a defender rookie on the bubble this week is Matty Eagles as well from Brisbane um, who did manage a kind of average 42 this week and would he be the replacement?
0: No, he wouldn't. Um, but I... Yeah, I'm in, I'm in neither camp at the moment. I, I've seen some people go to coming. It's definitely a risk. Obviously, Norton, like you said, won't lose any money, but if you do need to cash him now and you've got other players around him that will make money, then maybe it's a calculated risk. Personally, I'll do option number two. I would hold him until... Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of in between. It's it's, it's very team-sensitive. I'd either hold him until a player came up or I'd trade him immediately if you already have someone in mind, But or upgrade him even if you... If you have the money to do so, get someone like Finlayson or Duda on your bench or Murray on your bench if you need to. So there, there is a bunch of options. I don't think anyone's really wrong. It's very team-specific, but um, I definitely wouldn't be fielding him next week, so I'd rule that option.
1: <laughs> I think the greatest piece of advice here is if you're going to have to go early on a rookie, and uh, to be honest, Matty Eagles, he looks like he'll be in the side for a bit longer, but he's not going to be a good supercoach scorer. He's not going to make you much cash. I think you he might bad. be better off doing a downgrade in your midfield and getting someone early like ed phillips who looks like he has good scoring potential good job security now because he's played so well and upgrade norton instead i think that is probably the biggest go rather than going on someone early like cummings it's just it's hard because they might get dropped immediately and it's it's just not worth the risk jb um do you want to take us through the dockers versus saints game
0: Yes, I do. So, nat 5, 126, just doing nat 5 things as he's been doing all season. Luke Ryan proving to be a point of difference defender, 125. He's got a bit of a floor, um, which is lower than a lot of people would like, but his ceiling is definitely there, and I think he's a sneaky uh, D6 option for those who want to indulge and take a punt. The person that I want to talk to you about isn't Lockie Neal, who's finding form again but is David Mundy. So not really being spoken about. 107 points this week. He's eclipsed a ton all but, I think, three or two two games, sorry. Um, He did that off just 19 disposals, only the one tackle, only the one goal, but was obviously very influential throughout the match. Is he that premium uh, forward that we should be closing our forward lines out with? He's a point of difference still, or are we expecting him to slow down as a lot of players of his age do towards the end of the season
1: I mean you can't really predict an old player to just who's having an unbelievable season to just stop dead in his tracks after the buys but look he, he's scoring really well he seems like a great option that there's, there's no reason why I'd suggest not getting David Mundy I mean even he was scoring well with Walters in the side so Walters is going to come back and it probably is not going to be affecting David Mundy he's just doing his role week in week out and dropping off the ton so got absolutely no issues with people getting Mundy and he is um, only 478k as well so that's also quite good value I think um, for potentially a a premium forward it's just you have to worry about later in the season if the Dockers are ruled out of finals uh, if they miss do they want to get some youth on the field more youth on the field I should say because Ross boss has been playing um, lots of kids and it's just tough to predict if Monday will be getting a rest later in the year and most people shy away from it, but at the same time are you gonna shy away from potentially really good value F six. It's it's hard to tell you what the correct call is here, JB.
0: Yeah, and I think that's spot on. Monday's a punt, that's why it's still a point of difference. But at the same time his scores speak for himself and if he can, can just continue and suit up every week, then I think he'll quite easily be a top eight forward. So um, something to think about, that's for sure. Now, let's speak of one of the sneakiest points of difference that has been flying under the radar. One of the better players in his position, Pistol. I talk about none other than Jack Billings. What do you <laughs> think of it? Uh, no, sorry, uh, Jimmy Webster. 132 Supercoach points. And if you've got his scores in front of you, which I'm pretty sure you got them tattooed on you with the way you've been speaking of him this week, how has he gone this season and why aren't people taking notice?
1: Well, I will, I will read his scores out because I do have them tattooed on me right now. Um, <laughs> he has managed to go an 81 season low in round one, 106, 95, 112, 105, 132. He's averaging 105 for the season. He did miss, I think, two weeks with, a, I think it was a hip flexor injury off the top of my head. And he has just been probably their best player. The Saints haven't had a lot to smile about, but Webster is just rebounding incredibly well and he uses the ball so well and he's hard at it which is also great to see in a kind of a softer um, St Kilda side so Webster looks like he's a punt as you said but at the same time he also after round one he's been averaging 110 so he's someone with a massive ceiling and he's at 495k JB he might just be worth taking a risk on given Roberton is out for the rest of the season so there's no one that can really come in and take this role this rebounding role away from him I know Roberton was playing as a third third man but I guess he did have potential at some stage if he wanted to rebound but I just can't see anyone taking this off him and it feels like to me Webstar is a calculated risk um, and probably one that I'm going to take this week but at the same time I'm fully prepared for him to just turn into a spud and average 80 for the rest of the season
0: kind of like his teammate shane savage who hasn't gone full spud mode but has definitely digressed a little bit from his start to the season what is what are your thoughts uh for those who already own him and are you worried about webster and savage just switching their output all of a sudden like they they have sort of suddenly recently or is this something that they can both score well in their system or how how are we reading this because to me, it looks like Savage is down on scoring and Webster is up at the moment. Although Webster's been decent all year, um, it's probably something I'd be a little concerned with, although I think Webster is a sneaky good pick.
1: Yeah, it's hard to judge, but Savage has been playing injured um, in the past few weeks. Or I should say sore, not injured. Um, and it's not really something that I can predict at the moment. Webster's just using the ball beautifully and... And doing a good job so I don't see why that would revert but obviously you're right if they start tagging Webster then they're going to be getting the ball into Savage's hands instead and if they start tagging Savage they'll be putting it into Webster's hands so at least they have those options but at the same time Saints just don't have that many great scorers um, super coach scorers I should say um, in their side so I think it's kind of doesn't really matter if you happen to have both, but if you do have Savage and he is scoring poorly all the way until his buy, then he might be someone that you might want to try and get to as your D7, or you can try and look to trade him at his round 14 buy to a defender that's already played.
0: Yeah, excellent. Um, we'll move on to Ed Phillips, who did look uh, great. If I was going to downgrade to anyone early, almost this season, Ed Phillips would be the man I would go to, 87 uh, has a great tank, runs for days. Got the 24 disposals, so we know he can find it. Five tackles, which is great. Seven of his possessions were contested as well. So all big ticks in my book. It, ideally, we wait until next week, but if you have to jump the gun, considering the lack of bubble Boys this week, I would be going for Ed Phillips for sure. Now, Pistol, I've got a very, very sensitive issue that I need to ask you about. Oh, dear. And it's Jack Billings. Oh. So... Somehow, he seems to have gotten worse um, and has earned the title of worst footballer ever in the AFL. Um, What do people that have Jack Billings still do? Uh, He's at about, I think he's 104K now, so (laughs) not much to downgrade to. What are we doing with Billings? He's honestly awful. He's really bad at football. It's
1: funny, when you're going on about... uh you've got this big issue on what to do with it. I thought you were going to announce on the, the podcast and tell everyone about that, that rash that you have, JB, but um, I'm glad you didn't bring no, that, that up.
0: That was from Robbie Gray. That's that's a good rash.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I mean, look, he's got now a three-round average of 52. Uh, he's 346K. I think I'd be playing Ronk and Fritch and probably Gelfi above Billings at this stage. I can't even really say that it's worthwhile holding on to him. Especially, like, we're hoping he turns it around, but realistically, four of his next games... Sorry, three of the next four of his games include Richmond, West Coast, and Swans. I just really can't see him turning this around. It's going to be... It's going to take a mammoth effort, and really, I think you should have traded Billings sooner rather than later, but I think for me now, if you're in that situation... Maybe you need a bit of luck on your side, but I think what I would be doing is actually targeting a straight swap from him to Rockcliffe um, after the port buy. Just at least it could be going from a bad situation to a worse situation, but if Rockcliffe backs it up again with another 30 touches this week, then it's just worth the punt. Um, Otherwise, just downgrade him to a rookie and use the money and make your team better somewhere else because getting rid of Billings will be making your team better, JB.
0: If you missed out on Ronk, would you consider going Billings to Ronk this week?
1: I don't think so. I think I'd rather use some DPP magic and downgrade him to Ed Phillips. Or if I had to, I guess you could kind of look to Shear. But it's more about trying to... It's, it's hard because this week there's so many different options. People have backline problems. And um, yeah, it's hard to have a preferable trade I guess target but I think this week even holding for one more week if you've got other things to do with down back isn't the worst idea and um yeah every team's different so it's it's a pretty difficult situation but if you do if you don't have backline issues and you can trade him then I probably would look to trade him
0: yeah definitely that's not good (laughs) he was (laughs) touted to be one of my top three easy forwards and He's now in the bottom three and will probably stay there for the rest of his career. So we'll move on to the next game, which was North Melbourne versus Tigers. And the main man somehow breaking records uh, at the top of North Melbourne there is Sean Higgins, 103 Supercoach.
1: It's always Sean Higgins with you. Um, Oh, look, I must say, he has basically gone over the ton every single week, JB. So that's impressive. (laughs) Uh, You haven't really had to donate much to the Cancer Council because of him. So um, well done on that it's call. It's like you're surprised. I, I am surprised. Um, I guess I kind of was expecting you to say Ben Cunnington, obviously. Uh, the 32 contested possessions is just an absolute mammoth effort. But uh, now we're stuck talking about North Melbourne, which is not great because they have no supercoach relevant options. So how about you talk us through the Richmond Tigers instead?
0: Ah, uh, fine. So Richmond had... Almost no relevant supercoach options (laughs) because Dustin Martin was awful. Now, 64 points, 16 disposals, was clamped by Jacobs when he was in the middle, wasn't kicking goals when he was up forward. What are your thoughts on Dusty? I mean, at this point, I'm looking to save a trade from him at his buy to move him to a a premium midfielder because he's not playing like a premium midfielder right now.
1: I mean, the problem is he's got such explosive potential that you know that he could just bang out five 150s in a row. And at the same time, he's lost so much money. He's at 514K. I don't think I would advocate trading him out at all, but it's something to keep your eye on. I think this year's might be worthwhile grabbing a Zorka or grabbing a Rockliffe to have at your M9, even if you're rotating with Kelly, who I'm talking about Tim Kelly, not Josh Kelly, um, who could be a keeper at this stage, um, depending on your trades and cash situation. But any way that you could potentially loophole dusty as well might be worthwhile in the long run for your side but um it's just been an absolute killer this year jb i think you said it best where you said if you started the year with dangerfield dusty and josh kelly it's it's game over for you
0: yeah and who would have imagined that would be one of the worst starting trios because i had them all penciled in for one two and three positions in the midfield by the end of the season so absolute madness um in this one uh this was great. Again, 111 supercoach, a point of difference, rock option. Lambert put together another supercoach ton, and I think we need to talk about him before we wrap up, wrap up Richmond here. 113 off 20 disposals, booted another three goals. He seems to be not pivotal to Richmond's success, but definitely taking advantage of it. What is your opinion on him as a, well, definitely a point of difference option, but someone that would just be has that sort of ceiling in your forward line uh, that he could just go crazy one week?
1: Yeah, it's he's a tough one to crack because he pretty much this year has four scores above 113. And then at the same time, he has four scores below 77. So it's kind of all or nothing um, by Lambert. So it's tough as well because he's got the round 14 by, which isn't ideal. Um, but at the same time, F6 is kind of looking shaky. You've got the Mundys that you're competing with, with the Burke, with the Lambert, with the Hogan. All these players, even Menegola as well, all these players could end up being... top six and I, I don't know which one is the right one JB but Lambert is definitely up there and at 495k as well when he's banging out these 110s it seems good on paper um, but at the same time you've got Walters probably coming back in a couple weeks he's going to get down to like 430k and it's hard to justify spending an extra 70k um, for somebody for, for an upgrade of, of Walters to a Lambert but Yeah, each to their own. I definitely, if you want to go for a POD pick who has explosive potential, then I'm I'm all for the the Kane Lambert pick.
0: Yeah, and definitely a point of difference as well. So we'll move on to the last game of the round. That was Collingwood versus Geelong. Now, a scrappy contest um, and a very inaccurate contest in this one. Brody Grundy, however, showing us why he's one of the top five supercoach options this year. 137 supercoach points, 19 disposals, 42 hitouts, outs, kick the goal as well. Jeremy Howe, though, 123 supercoach points off 30 disposals, doing his best uh, in the air, as always, with the 11 marks. What are your thoughts on Jeremy Howe? Because he keeps on getting these big scores, but he also has a tendency to drop below the, the 80 mark as well. So do you think he can piece together a top six uh, defensive year or... You see the type of play that we're punting on, or do we just stay away considering the the low floor that he seems to have?
1: I think you're asking the wrong person, JB, because I've <laughs> obviously as a gone. <laughs> unbiased a opinion, please. Unbiased? No, I've been biased about how the whole season went. I thought he'd be a top <laughs> six from from the preseason. Um, look, we know he's got these big scores because he's he's such a good intercept marker. Um, the thing that concerns me the most, though, is that he had scans today on his hamstring. Um, he said. Um, that he was fine and it was just precautionary but you're always a little bit worried when someone gets scans and if you're worried if they're playing fibs or it's a laid out chance or something like that i do think that he will be roughly a top six defender but at the same time these fears I've, I'm, I'm pretty scared of a laid out and it's, it's hard trading in somebody who you know just had a scan and even if you wait one week because he's had back-to-back really big weeks he's probably going to eclipse the 520 530 mark and i feel like how is somebody that you could end up getting um a bit later for like 470 or so so i'm not sure i'd jump on um right this second i think there's probably better value players in yo that's only 20k more and even if you're going to risk it just if you're just you know yoloing it if you're just going to go for a web start he's 20K cheaper than how and has been averaging more. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of options around that price, but he's certainly a good one, but, uh, you know, I'm way too scared of trading in somebody who's just had a a hammy scan.
0: So to summarize, you like him, you're biased about him, you're scared of him, (laughs) and there are other good options. So... Thanks for the wrap-up there, Piss. You're welcome. My weekly Howe wrap-up. You, you, wrap you up. talked yourself in a circle. Um, I like Jeremy Howe. I think he's a good option. And if you've got to trust his consistency, which is always a punt, but is generally a punt with any player, especially when you're picking in defence, I think he's one of those players with their obviously high ceiling that I would actually trust to put out consistent scores and at least scrap together 80s in his bad game. So... Um, I think he's a good option but also I'd be scared of the hammy <laughs> so we'll move on to Sam Murray 65 I think we can just easily categorize him with a Dude day and uh, the other person Finlayson um, not necessarily in dire need of trading out unless you want the money or you are scared of his scoring going down but a same the same case could be made for all three of them pretty much they're almost identical players not in game style but just the way that they're Scoring patterns and and price changes have gone this season, so we'll move on to Geelong and it was the return of Patrick Dangerfield 137, still only attended a few centre bounces, but obviously with a big score, very very welcome sight for those who started with him and those who have traded him in, in the last couple of weeks. So, what would you advise those to do who don't have Dangerfield yet? Is it get him in this week at all costs?
1: It's a great question. Um, I don't really know the answer. To be fair, it, it could have been a once-off. It's not like Collingwood uh, have a perfect matchup for Dangerfield. Not that a lot of teams do, but um, something to consider that Collingwood leak-heavy uh, midfield scores and Dangerfield still is playing forward a lot, which is quite concerning. And it's just hard to predict because I, I can't guarantee he's going to move to the midfield. And I can't guarantee he's not going to, you know, he's going to play forward for the rest of the year. But He's somebody that I would like just for safety in my team at some stage of the year. So he's come down heaps in price and, you know, now might be the best time to switch, JB. And it's got to come in at some stage. So if you've got the trade and got the cash, then may as well be now.
0: Yep, exactly right. I think he's ready to explode, Pistol. And in typical damage field fashion, it could be three weeks. And if you made one or two trades now... You know you have to go double down next week or something like that. You might almost be priced out the week after. So we know he can go huge and huge quickly. So if you have the money now, I would be trying to get him in as pretty much at almost all costs. I wouldn't be trading out, you know, a good player for him. But yeah, almost all costs. So we'll move on to Sam Menegola, 132 Super Coach, at 24 disposals but booted the three goals as well, which obviously helped. Uh, a potential Smoky for that top forward position but or top six forward. But we just never know who's going to score well in this midfield. Look,
1: I would really like to see him play again with Gaz and also Parfit Puffett's been out for a while now and I just want to see how they all gel together. But look, he's put in some really big scores, Menigol, I should say, not Puffett, well Puffett as well, but Menegol's put in some really big scores as a forward and he's somebody that just because of his ceiling, um, I'd strongly consider and cats are going to find ways to win games. And he, he seems to be a player that can stand up as well. He's had 24 touches and three goals. And ideally I think he would be in my final team, but if it doesn't work out as well, he would probably be the one, um, that I wouldn't, wouldn't grab just because I feel like, uh, there's more important forwards like the, the Heaney's and the Gray's and the McLean's, um, of the world. JB, I did want to mention somebody that you glanced over, which I'm surprised about because uh, you did mention him a bit during the week. He's fallen a lot in price, and he, he comes under the same category as the Zorkos and the Rocklifts. Now, this is a guy that has gone 110-plus uh, in the past multiple times, and that's Taylor Adams. He's now at 465K. He's got a break-even of 115 Now, he's come off 120 this week, but obviously he's been injured a lot this season, so his price has dropped um, considerably. And his role was kind of poor before his injury as well, playing off the back line, but given Pendlebury was out, Taylor Adams was right in the midfield for this entire match and scored well, do you think that given how well he went in the midfield, JB will he still continue to play midfield with Pendlebury in the side? Or do you think that he's probably going to drop back to that, you know, kind of running, charging in from the back uh, of the square into the center?
0: Yeah, and I'd probably rather give a lotto prediction than try and predict what Nathan Buckley's thinking. <laughs> but it's it's very interesting because he has obviously found form, uh, and I think the midfield is quite clearly his best position, But with Pendles coming back, quite obviously you're going to have the the skipper in there and their best midfielder in there at all time. Trelaw's obviously got form in there as well, so it's difficult to fit everyone in. Still, sidebottom has had a great year thus far. I think Adams, unfortunately, does get pushed out a bit, and I can't see it changing even after this good game, and he's not someone I'd advise jumping on. I'd probably rather someone like Zorko or Rockliff, but... It's good to see him score decently (laughs) because we'll probably be picking him in defense next year, but um, hopefully you can string it together. I I do like Adams as a player, but not as a pick this year.
1: That's uh, fair enough. Maybe a Smokey for someone that's just willing to take a kind of a random punt. JB, shall we uh, move into... Well, I'm going to make the executive decision here. Well, Let's move into the (laughs) Cancer Council. Um, we did yes. have a donation this week um, so thank you very much to Andrew and I apologize if I can't pronounce your last name but thanks so much for your uh, Cancer Council donation Andrew Leviscu. I think I apologize again um, you
0: can't pronounce it when you make it three different words Lev- I,
1: I, I'm struggling I, I'd love for you to <laughs> tell us how to how you say send us name. an audio message in, in, inbox it to the Facebook page because I've really got struggling on how to pronounce it Um But thank you so much for your Cancer Council donation. I assume it's for a Donate for Donuts as well. Uh, So that is probably to do with the Nick Nat Donut. I'm actually very surprised, JB. I I assume more people would have um, a donut because of the Nick Nat Tim English situation. But we've only had one um, Donate for Donuts uh, supporter here. So if you guys did happen to get a donut and maybe forgot about the Donate for Donuts campaign, it would be awesome if you could still um, donate for that Nick Donut and we are up to $841 to the Cancer Council for the year and of course the link to the Cancer Council will be in the comments on the Facebook and in the description the SoundCloud and iTunes and, and all that jazz, JB. Um, anything else you want and to go every
0: through? Every dollar is so much appreciated by us all and so much so that it only takes the smallest donation and you can inbox us uh, a picture of your team ask us any questions we'll be happy to go through it give you some one-on-one one advice because it does mean a lot to us uh, as a charity and something that we've been pushing for a few seasons now and, and something that we won't, won't ever stop pushing so um, yeah I think that's about it if you want to plug the the email and the, the Twitter sphere there Pistol
1: yeah I'm not going to plug the email this week I did uh, mention last week we were struggling a bit because we got oh, over, too many over 40 emails on the Thursday night and it was just too much and um yeah we we didn't plug it last week and we mm-hmm. still managed to get roughly the same amount of email so um i do appreciate the support and i did try and respond to some of them but it is incredibly difficult getting them all in at the same time and you know having the podcast and, and do all that all that stuff so we're a bit undermanned and uh um, yeah, we're trying to work things out and get get on top of it. So doing our best, but and we are falling a bit behind on the uh, the Gmail. But if you do have a question, we have been responding to the quitter, the quitters, <laughs> the twitters quite regularly. Um, and if you'd like to find us on Twitter, our handles um, are jb underscore drsc for jb. If you want quality advice, you can find me at pistol underscore drsc. And if you want chizo advice, you can find chizo with a z. <laughs> at Giso underscore D-R-S-C. And uh, I think that about sums it up, JB.
0: And obviously the main one being Dr underscore S-C, if you want the, the whole kit and caboodle with all the, the team news and that coming to you as, as soon as we can get it to you. So um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps us up here. So thank you very much for joining me and hopefully same time again this time next week being the, the all-star cast you and I.
1: <laughs> Looking forward to JB and take care of that rush.